I had a situation, one client in particular, who, you know, we were struggling to really have direct attribution. And, and, you know, she was like, you know, I just, I can't determine how effective these ads are. And actually I said, let's just turn the ads off and let's just see what happens. I mean, that's going to be the ultimate test. I mean, I was talking myself out of a job, but, you know, I thought this is the ultimate way. So we turned all the ads off three days later, turn the ads back on. (laughs) (laughs) This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to Superfast Business. This is episode 915. Today we're chatting with Alana Wexler from teachtraffic.com. Hello, Alana. Hi, James. How are you? I can remember your website easily now. It's on your T-shirt. At least, yes. there you go. Teach Traffic. Fabulous website, of course, to learn all about driving traffic and conversions. So you're doing multiple platforms there, Facebook, Google, YouTube, working with people to sort of done with you elements, which has obviously come from your agency and spending a lot Mm. online and uh, being a great educator. But of course, I'd love you to come along and educate us today. A a question I get asked a lot is, what should I be tracking? Mm. You know, do you have a dashboard? If you do have a dashboard, what should be on it? What could we use for a dashboard? These questions come up a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of business owners are not really tracking anything. And then I see the extreme where they're just over tracking, like just tracking Mm. way too many things. And then it just is meaningless. And I've actually let go of some tracking tools where they were too comprehensive and I never understood what I was looking at. So what I'd love to arrive at today is sort of a Goldilocks version of what would be, you know, the seven essential metrics that you should track and how we might go about doing that? Yeah, exactly. And I think we're in an era now where there is an abundance amount of data and it can be very overwhelming for people. And I guess my goal from this episode is trying to distill a lot of the overwhelm that people have and just focus on these seven kind of key metrics. And obviously they're not exclusive you can track more, you could probably even track less, but I think these seven ones that I've chosen kind of give a bit of a broad brush view of what's generally going on because I think in this day and age, you need to be tracking things because everything is very, very trackable. And if you're not, well, you might just not be in business in the future because the hard part I think that people struggle with is determining what's important. Like once you decide you want to know something, finding that information is actually kind of the easy part. But the hard part for people is knowing what they should be tracking, you know? So yeah, that's what I think we should talk about. Yeah. I guess even beyond that is the awareness of that tracking is probably a good idea. You know, it's like, you're so data-driven, of course. You came from a data background. You used to be a data analyst. It's true. Data is my love language. So this is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we, like you probably take for granted that we should have data. So I think the first step is like, data is actually good to have. Yeah. And then beyond that, it's like of which, you know, there's certain data that's better than others. And that's what we should focus on and keeping in mind that, you know, if we ended up with the seven data elements or the metrics that you talk about today, we'd be in a great starting point to figure out if they're going to help us or not. And then we could add or subtract according to that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's funny. Like I used to actually teach Google Analytics at Sydney University here in, in Sydney. And like unanimously, everyone felt the fact that looking at this data was like eating glass, you know, whereas like for me, it was like as fun and exciting and insightful. So I can appreciate the aversion that people have with it, which is why I think it's so important to just focus on the metrics that are really, really important and not get overwhelmed with what this little thing means or that little thing means. And now, you know, as somebody who's run an agency for a very long time and now more just 
teach people rather than do it for them. Like we've created dashboards that like are a template that just feed this data in automatically. You literally just got to plug your analytics account in the back end of it and all the data just pops up beautifully. And that just makes it a lot more palatable for people. What are you using for that? So my favorite tool is, is a free tool called Google Data Studio. Because it's a free Google product, it talks really beautifully with Google Analytics. So we use Google Analytics as our source of truth for data. So obviously one needs to have their Google Analytics account kind of set up properly. But Data Studio is such a fantastic tool because it can incorporate other platforms as well. So for example, if you're running Facebook ads with a connector, you can connect your Facebook ad account to Google Data Studio to feed in your spend and conversions and all that. So you can really have a dashboard that feeds in data from multiple sources and create something that is really, really useful for you and your business. And it populates automatically. Once you set it up, you know, you change the date range and the data automatically populates. Love it. And this is what you help people do and teach traffic. So yes, so actually I um, enlisted the help of a friend who you introduced me to, James, Irene from Rumble Media. I'm getting her this month, actually, well, this week we're, we're going to be recording. A, she's going to do a training session on how to do this. And she's also providing a template for Teach Traffic members with exactly this kind of information. So they can literally just plug in their account. So yeah, full credit to Irene. She's a data studio expert. I know enough to be dangerous, but she's created a, a whiz bang template. Oh, I know Irene is extremely passionate about dashboards. It sort of renewed my interest in it too. I had conversations with Irene. I'm so glad you have been able to hit it off. And of course, you can't do anything with paid traffic unless you have reporting metrics. So why don't you share with us the first metric you'd like to see on a dashboard? Yeah. Okay. So I've tried to distill these things to be for people who aren't even necessarily running prey traffic. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I always look at is what's called the traffic source report. But ideally what I'm looking for is the conversion rate of each individual traffic source. So when you log into your analytics, or if you've set up the data studio report that feeds in this report from analytics, it's going to have like a table that says, you know, Google organic, Google slash CPC, CPC is Google ad traffic, direct traffic. And so you want to rank by the portion of your overall users per traffic source, but then correspond that with the conversion rates. So really what you're trying to understand is where is the majority of your traffic coming from? What is the source of the majority of your traffic and does it convert? That's really the business question you want to ask. Many people think, you know, I've got to invest in SEO traffic and rank organically for something. So if you can see your Google organic traffic is the highest traffic source in terms of the number of people coming, but the conversion rate of it is actually quite low, then that kind of warrants further investigation, which we're going to sort of talk about a little bit later. But really, you, overall, you want to look at your overall traffic sources and how they are converting. So another example, you might see that your Google CPC traffic, which is your Google ad traffic, is only, let's say, so this is in one client account, for example, 22% of their traffic. So, you know, a fifth of their overall traffic, but it accounts for 70% of their sales. Well, then that kind of tells me that actually converts really well. We need to spend a little bit more time there. You know, on the flip side, if it accounts for 5% of their sales, then possibly it's not converting very well and we need to diagnose the traffic. So that's kind of like, what I really look for in, in the traffic sources report. It's such a treasure trove of information. Now, 
ideally, if you're running Facebook ads, for example, you would have created trackable links or even, you know, you can have trackable links in emails. I've had many clients who've done that in the past and that will separate your traffic sources as per your trackable links. And so once again, you want to compare them to the conversion rate. And if you are doing trackable links, I urge you to create some kind of universal naming convention because otherwise it can get a little bit crazy. Yeah. So of course, Google has their own URL builder that you can use to create those for free. Yep. Any kind of tracking software is going to have a convention or suggestion or URL appendage thing that goes on. But this is critical. And of course, you need to track goals, right? If you want to know which cause sales, you've got to actually track the goals and have someone set that up for you if you can't set it up. That's exactly right. And this applies to e-commerce or even lead gen. You know, you set up a goal for whatever it is, the success metric that is important to you. For e-commerce, it would be purchase. For lead generation, it's whoever's lands on your thank you page or whatever it is, the goal. And then yeah, in that traffic sources report, you can see the, the quantity, like how many people did that as well as a percentage of the total and the conversion rate, which is obviously equally important. Love it. Now, we'll also publish this as a checklist where you see episode 915. So don't worry if you lose track of some of the acronyms that are about to come your way, because I can see number two is going to have a bit of fancy um, wording. (laughs) Okay. Well, the second one does relate to people spending money on ads, which is the return on ad spend or otherwise known as ROAS, or for that's obviously for e-commerce people or your cost per acquisition for lead gen people. So I think though, my belief, and maybe others would disagree with me, but I believe in 2022 at the time of this recording, we live in an era where it is multi-device and multi-platform. For example, someone might see a Facebook ad. I know even I do this personally. I see a Facebook ad. I'm like, oh, is this someone like pretending to be this business? I'll then Google search their business to kind of check their legit, you know, because I've bought dodgy things online before. And so this concept of direct return on ad spend, so the return as a result of directly ad spend, which is what the ad platforms report versus a blended ROAS, which is what have you made overall revenue-wise from all your traffic sources divided by what have you spent in total? Like has the rising tide lifted all the boats essentially? And I like to report on both of those elements. So the direct ROAS versus the blended ROAS. And truthfully, I think the truth lies somewhere in between that metric, you know? It's probably hard to track every single specific thing. Like you go to the site, you click on a link, you start seeing little ads following you around. Like it might be quite some time later, but they might attribute your sale to that one little remarketing ad that you clicked on if they're going direct, right? That's exactly right. And so maybe they don't even click on it. But that sort of prompted their, you know, oh, that's right. I was looking at those pair of shoes and then they're going to Google search the brand and click on the organic link. And so Google Analytics is what's called last click attribution. What was the last click that they did before they did, you know, whatever they're tracking. And so the lines are blurred in terms of kind of what's called the, you know, assisted conversions, which is kind of. It's like I've been stalked to death by one particular surfboard manufacturer. And like one day I might go and get a haircut. And in a weak moment, walk into the store next door and, and see that exact board. And like it would have been the 50 times I've seen it till now that caused me, to, I need to have that in my life. Mm. But they would think, oh, it's our street sign or whatever. <laughs> like there's no way that'll ever get costed back to the ad, but it is actually a result of there. So the blended, I can see why that's important to have a bit of that. Yeah. And I had a situation, one client in particular who, 
you know, we were struggling to really have direct attribution. And, and, you know, she was like, you know, I just, I can't determine how effective these ads are. And actually I said, let's just turn the ads off and let's just see what happens. I mean, that's going to be the ultimate test. I mean, I was talking myself out of a job, but, you know, I thought this is the ultimate way. So we turned all the ads off three days later, turn the ads back on. (laughs) (laughs) So, So they weren't seeing it. And there's some companies I think that turn off all their marketing and sometimes there's no change. Was it Airbnb or someone like that? Interesting. So, you know, it could have been wasted or there could have been too much emphasis on brand building or just amplifying Mm. content. There definitely can be a lag time. I remember in some of my other conversations on this podcast that someone quoted a metric of 60 days average return on ad spend across a billion dollars worth of ads, 60 days. So, Know a lot of people expect, oh, I'll just buy this ad now and then within minutes I'll be making a sale and then I can attribute it straight back to that ad. It just doesn't pan out that way. And I guess also depends on your strategy because maybe you're building an email list and then six months later you do a broadcast offer and make sales to that house list that you stored energy from earlier. And I do that in my own database. Occasionally we'll make offers, but someone might have been on my list for three years mm. may have come from an ad that you helped me set up for my YouTube channel or from a, a banner to get my book for free. And then months later, they buy something even through a partner of mine. Uh, so yeah, you got to take a long-term game. Okay. So return on ad spend or cost per acquisition, either direct or blended. What else do we want to look at? What would be the third thing? The third thing I personally love looking at is hopefully your listeners have set up what's called a funnel in as their goal. So when they've gone to set up their goal in the admin section of analytics, they had set up a funnel and then analytics reports on how people have progressed through that funnel. And importantly, what you're looking at is where or if people have dropped off somewhere in that funnel. Now, this is like an extra step that you do need to set up. So for e-commerce, you know, step one of the funnel would be maybe landing on the homepage. Step two would be landing on the product page. Step three would be landing or adding it to the cart. Step four would be checkout and all that kind of stuff. And you can see the drop-off points. And that I just find visually is incredibly powerful. And you can, you know, visually see where your funnel or your bucket is leaking people out. And yeah, so you, you do need to take that step to do it, but it's such a treasure trove of information. And it kind of leads me into the number four metric that I want people to look at, which is new versus returning people. And what we like to do as well is to create, look at the funnel compared to new versus returning. So that's sort of like a segment within a segment to some degree. You know, so we want to compare the behavior of someone who's never come to the website before versus a return visitor. And obviously your return visitors are going to convert higher, but then we want to see the funnel of new versus returning. And ideally what we want to see is that your funnel is doing its job of converting new people. And we want to compare the funnel conversion rate for new versus returning people. Does that make sense? It does. So basically the funnel's good. And if you're doing lead gen, a lot of people these days are doing things like sequential sales pages with multiple page steps or reverse Mm. squeeze pages. And you want to see where people drop off. And, uh, you know, it makes me laugh about the new versus returning. I think I used to have a lot of returning visitors, but I sometimes felt like maybe I wasn't doing a good enough job with new visitors. You know, the first time they were there, I'd wanted to understand how they're behaving differently and why I wasn't able to have them become a customer on that first visit. So I guess this is really the difference between cold and warm traffic. Exactly. And I think this is probably 
maybe not so applicable to you, James, because you publish a lot of content and people want to read a lot of your content. So hence, a lot of your returning visitors mm. are just consuming content versus an e-commerce store that really like not many people are reading their content if they're not really remotely interested in buying. Oh, you, know? you haven't seen a surfer market then. That's true. Maybe. <laughs> they, like, to everyone. I tell you what, it's like it's it's fascinating to me how many people buy a secondhand surfboard from me, and they go, oh, "I know this board. I've seen it. I've visited that site many, many times, where we've done a review on it." These surfers. I've never met a market where when you list something for sale, people want to just start having a conversation with you and sending pictures of their other boards and telling you where a good surf spot and who they met back in the day. I'm like, dude, do you want to buy it or not? (laughs) It's really fascinating. But yeah, I, I get your point. Depending on what you're trying to do with your website, this metric could be very informative to see how different pathways are performing, you know, different cold or hot, if they're doing different things. Yeah. And if you're funnel for new visitors is not converting, then it might be a function of, you know, you got to improve the copy on your landing page, on the product pages. You've got to uh, maybe add reviews. You've got to have to have copy that's more, you know, benefit driven rather than feature driven, maybe add a video, you know, like you're just trying to improve the overall conversion rate or possibly it's a function of traffic, which actually kind of leads me to the next one, mm. the metric that we like to look at which are the pages that people enter your website on and if they convert. And specifically, these are for businesses that that have a blog, okay, that generate SEO traffic. And actually, we've got this client at the moment, somebody I'm helping rather, who um, 28% of their overall traffic is from this one blog post. Like for whatever reason, Google is giving them a lot of love and ranking for this particular term, which is one of their blog posts. But it doesn't really convert to sales. It converts at 0.04%. So what do you do with that? I think a few things you do with that. I think you've got to possibly change the copy on that blog post, like leverage the fact that 28% of your all your traffic is coming into this page. So whatever you could do to convince them to buy your product is good. Or you then also, you know, it might be diluting your retargeting lists and maybe you possibly exclude the people who've entered on that page as if you just, for whatever reason, can't get them to convert. But yeah, you definitely want to look at the pages that people are entering on and how they perform. This has come up with um, in dealing with Gert from seoleverage.com. He, he shows sometimes we do get a lot of traffic to a page, but it doesn't do what we want it to do. So we do rewrite it or update it or add elements. Sometimes we've got too much traffic to like a category page, so we just mm-hmm. switch that off. And then we try and rank our, our longer form page and like replace the exact same words and stuff. So there's some things that you can do. But of course, all of this relies on you actually knowing this is happening. And if you don't track this, you won't ever know. So it'll be a big secret. That's exactly right. Yeah. And this all obviously hinges on you having set up the goals in your analytics so that you can then have always that as like the reference point of what we're looking at. And so I'm a, just a big believer in focusing on the 80-20, you know, so if a huge portion of your traffic is coming on this one page, rather than updating all your blog content, you just start with your highest pages that get the most amount of visitors and possibly you can work through them that way. It's just about being really smart about the work that you do rather than just creating an endless list of stuff that you're going to do with maybe three people land on it in a month. Like it's just not worth it versus one page that ranks really well. That's the page you focus on. Maybe you even hire a copywriter or whatever, but that would move the needle much more rather than updating all your blog content, you know? Love it. So what about number six? 
The other thing I like to look at are demographics. And specifically, this is to see, is there a certain segment of you know age or gender that converts really well? That if you're running, let's say, Facebook ads, you can just focus on that area of the market. So this other person I was helping, the product that they sell is, for whatever reason, it's, it's for, the, for a home office, okay? And for whatever reason, 75% of their transactions are from men, according to Google Analytics. Obviously, you know, it's not foolproof, that data, but, you know, 75% is pretty high. And even we can do a, can, um, do a segment within the gender to see what age brackets of men convert really well. And then for Facebook ads, you just focus on that end of the market. It's just being really clever about it of like, right, where's the 80-20 here, you know? What about for, um, so we've got the age and the gender, and that's basically we're, we're going to try and match that up to our targeting. And there might be certain platforms that work better for different genders as well, right? If we wanted to sort of move further afield than the general ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've got in a very female market, you might focus on Pinterest as a platform. But then I would also then go back to your traffic sources report and hopefully you can see the Pinterest traffic maybe that's coming and does that convert. But obviously it's not just about conversions. Another thing you want to see is like, do they bounce straight away? Do they view more than one page? Like what's the quality of the traffic like? That's really what you want to look at. Are they engaged visitors? Yeah, that's a huge thing. You know, when I had my YouTube channel uh, looked at by a friend of mine and there were some videos where people were clicking on it but not watching it and that's really dangerous for the channel when they drop straight off. So it's like the lesson there was you've got to carry the promise. Mm. Maybe you've got clickbaity titles or really compelling titles but you're not delivering on the content so you might want to improve the content if you're getting all these people disappearing on you. Or, you, you know, you clearly you're clearly paying for traffic that's not resulting in an outcome. So you might want to change the ad creative, for example. Exactly. Yeah. There's many interpretations you can have for this. And I guess interpretations and and applications as well. So let's talk about number seven then. Number seven, I believe in 2022, we need to focus on how our mobile traffic is converting. More and more people are doing everyday stuff on their mobile. So I personally like to see the proportion of traffic that is from a mobile and how that traffic converts. So if, you know, 80% of your traffic is mobile, but it has a very, very low conversion rate compared to desktop, then possibly the mobile experience is very good for people. You need to, you know, create a mobile optimized site that's better. I would probably install some heat mapping software like Hotjar. You could just do a free account, set up the recordings, and you can watch the recordings to see what the user experience is like for people. We've had situations in the past where for some certain types of phones, it just like threw everything out and people just got, oh my God, terrible experience. And so I think, you know, mobile is only going to keep heading more and more into that direction. So you need to have a good mobile experience for people in this day. And where do tablets sit? Yeah, I, don't, I never find tablets to be a huge proportion of traffic actually, which is quite interesting. I feel like that's what you sort of put on your lap when you're um, watching TV or maybe they're more of a place where you view content, like videos and stuff. I guess maybe, I don't know, in my house, the tablets are all my kids. So (laughs) (laughs) like I don't even have a tablet. It's either phone or laptop really. I have a tablet, but I hardly use it. I might use it to watch a video or a Formula One race or something at at three in the morning if I feel compelled to for like down to a season finale and I don't want to... I just don't want to watch it on the TV. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's like I don't use I'm using my phone for everything. What sort of trends are you seeing with the mobile phone? Because I know we use our phones like 
twice as much as we did a few years ago. Are people buying on the phone? They are actually. And typically whenever I help someone with analytics and I go into this mobile report, I'm anticipating to see mobile traffic to convert, you know, at least half. But there've been many situations actually where I've seen mobile traffic convert higher than desktop. I mean, something happened to me the other day that I thought is indicative of the changes. A few years ago, I would have gone into this room where I'm recording to use my uh, iMac to purchase uh, a luggage bag that I wanted because I'd know I'd probably have to pull out the credit card or type in PayPal stuff. But I was on my phone the other day and I was looking up a, a bag model that I used to love, but it actually got stolen a few years ago in California and I never replaced it. And they stopped making it. And then I thought, I wonder if they remake them. And then I found that they're actually remaking a version of it. And it was on there. And it showed me the little Apple Pay thing and I think I clicked on it and it did a face ID and I just clicked on my phone and then it was coming to my house. It was all done instantly. It just all hooked up probably in Shopify. Seamless. Seamless. It was so easy to purchase. All I needed was my face and two clicks. I didn't have to carry around my credit card. I didn't have to enter any details. So I I believe I'll be purchasing on the (laughs) the phone more now because it's so easy. And the other thing that I've noticed, it's just so much easier now to send money from your phone from these online banking type things and stuff. Just just a few clicks at stores and remembers everything. So that's where we're going, I think. So we will call this uh, like a traffic and conversions dashboard, right? Mm. Of course, there's, there's other things you're going to track in your business. And maybe if there's interest in that, I might cover that in a separate episode, like the things that I track in my business outside of this. And I'm talking about things like the number of emails sent, the number of visits to your site the last 30 days, how many paying customers you have in your subscription membership. There are other reporting metrics, but this is the ultimate seven metrics you would want to track in your sales and conversion dashboard which you've suggested, Alana, we can do it quite easily in Google Analytics. We can use connectors and port it all in to the, that, what is it, Google? Google Data Studio. Data Studio. There you go. If you want help with this, of course, I'm going to recommend Alana. Data is her love language. So <laughs> let's uh, mention where we can go and get help. Yeah. So as mentioned, um, Irene has created a template for Teach Traffic members that will be available as of next month, which would be April or May. And um, yeah, so you can go to teachtraffic.com and um, obviously get access to all my training courses as well as other things that guest experts provide as well. Of course. Well, once you've got the dashboard, you're going to want to know how to move the needle, so to speak, and change your metrics or even interpret them and say, well, is this even good or bad? And that's where Alana, you're so valuable. You're like, oh, that's fantastic. Or gee, I think we could do some things here. These These are the top three things I would change. And of course, turn up that turbo engine on on your paid traffic and conversions. I love it. I appreciate all of your insights. It's so fun to get you back on and I'm learning every time you come on. I really appreciate it. This is episode 915. We'll put this handy seven metrics checklist at uh, superfastbusiness.com and of course, head over to Teach Traffic and get some help from Ilana with your paid campaigns. Thanks so much, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.